Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Truth About Confidence. Wherever you're listening from right now, I hope you're doing well, and I hope you're experiencing as much as you can of the people, places, and things that support not just your confidence, but also your overall well-being, your joy, your happiness, and your continued growth in the direction of what matters most to you in your life. And thank you for tuning back in to The Truth About Confidence, or if this is your first time listening, thank you for checking out the show. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Heather Pownall, founder and CEO of The Confidence Labs, where I teach and coach women through self-doubt and imposter syndrome and help them build authentic confidence that enables them to feel safer as they explore and take new risks and create more of what they want in their life and career without all the internal struggle. On that note, if that sounds like you and you're looking for more support, sign up for a 15-minute spot on my calendar link in the show notes and let's talk and see if you might benefit from one-on-one coaching together or if you might be a fit for the next cohort of my next level confidence camp, which will start in January. As some of you know, I started this podcast to explore and invite others into conversations about this elusive thing called confidence. What is it really? Why do we need it? And how do we build it up in ourselves and in each other? My guest for today's episode, who I'm going to bring on in a few minutes, is... Well, the best way I can think to describe her is, in one word, superhuman. Her name is Claire Rosso, and she's one of the most genuinely confident people I have ever known. You know, one of those people you look at and you're like, wow, how is she so fearless? And how do I be more like her? Claire is the recently named new CEO of the world's leading association for certified cybersecurity professionals. She's also my former boss, a mentor, champion, sponsor, all the things, and someone I feel incredibly grateful to know and to have worked closely with in my career. Now, I know that no actual human is actually fearless, and that Claire has fears like the rest of us. But she, more than most people I've known and work with, and myself included, seems to have fewer of those fears and doubts that take up precious time and energy in the minds of the rest of us, slowing us down, holding us back. And this apparent ability to swiftly choose the courageous and empowered path of action over the comfortable path every time. She just she doesn't seem to get tripped up in her head the way some of us can. She's always in action, constantly trying, learning, sometimes failing, and always with this effortless attitude about it. Here, listen to how she sums it up. That, you know, you're going to succeed some of the time and fail some of the time, but you got to try all of the time. So that's an awesome mantra to live by. But how do you really embrace and truly believe and live by those words? That's a whole different ballgame. And I got to practice living by that mindset at a whole new level every day for the years that I worked with Claire, especially as the organization we worked for was going through a joint venture, a global merger, and a tremendous amount of change that was unfolding in real time without a lot of answers. Back then, I didn't have this podcast, I hadn't started the Confidence Labs, but I was definitely a student observing and soaking in as much as I could. I was often in awe of the way Claire spoke up, used her voice no matter the audience or the stakes, and dared to take risks and learn, and brought out the best in others alongside her. I sometimes asked Claire in our weekly one-on-one meetings, which we often would take together while walking in the woods behind our office building, how are you, you? How do you have this comfort and ease and confidence, even when everything is changing or uncertain? And she would ask in return, I don't know. What do you mean? She couldn't quite explain it. It just seemed to come naturally. I learned that the best way to learn from Claire was being next to her, watching and observing and simply getting in the game and playing on her team. But I and so many others recognized that there was and is something unique and special about Claire. Her genuine confidence is part of what made her the leader we were all inspired to get behind. I feel incredibly lucky to have had Claire as a role model and influence in my career and life. And while I learned so much in the years that I worked with her, it wasn't until this interview here today that I got to go deeper into the mindset, 
the stories and experiences she has lived, and the beliefs that serve as the underlying foundation of her resilience and confidence. So grab a notebook if you can, or get your notes app ready, because I think there's so much good stuff in this conversation that everyone, and especially women, can learn from and relate to. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation and get to know Claire. Before I bring on Claire in just a moment, I want to say a special thank you to listeners Terry, Tina, and Danielle for the reviews you wrote on Apple Podcasts after last month's episode with Marissa Orr author of best-selling book, Lean Out, about women, power, and the workplace. For anyone who missed that episode, be sure to go back and listen. So thank you, Terry, for your comments. You wrote, Heather does a great job helping her listeners get comfortable exploring confidence, moving through artificial limits, and being honest about challenges and wins. In her latest episode, she engages this wonderful author in such a direct and authentic way. You feel you have met them both personally, and you walk away thinking in a much deeper way about women and their real potential in the world. I really, Terry, thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And Tina V wrote, Heather's new podcast is one of my favorites, raw and honest about women in the world of work. Tina, I'm so glad you feel that way. Thank you for taking the time to let me know. And Danielle E wrote that the show is inspiring and thought-provoking and that she can't wait for more episodes. Danielle, me either. And thanks again. I really appreciate the review. So to each of you, your comments are so appreciated. Recording this podcast and hitting publish and then hearing back from some of you, it really helps me to know that these are topics and conversations that matter. And I truly appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to let me know. So thank you. Thank you to each of you. Now, everyone else listening, if you feel inspired or get a useful takeaway, like I know you're going to from today's conversation with Claire, I invite you to join and be like Terry, Tina, and Danielle and leave a quick comment and rating of the show on Apple Podcasts. Not only does that give me and my guests valuable feedback, but it also helps more women like all of us find this show and benefit from knowing they're not alone and benefit from the insights and stories and empowering lessons we cover here. All right. So now that we know what we're here for, and I've sent out my special thank yous, everyone, it is my honor to introduce you to Claire Rosso. Thank you so, so much for doing this. I am I'm so excited that you asked me to do it. I hope I don't disappoint you. Oh my goodness. There is not a chance on earth that could happen at all. So we're going to have a good conversation here and everyone else who's listening is going to get the benefit a little bit, a dose, a dose of Claire and benefit <laughs> in some of the ways that I have working closely with you for, I was doing the math. I think, you know, I think I met you like eight or maybe nine years, eight, eight years ago, eight years yeah. ago, which that's wow. How lucky am I? And so how, how fortunate everyone listening today, they get to uh, get, a, get a, an insight into a woman and someone who's been a mentor to me, who I've had just such an honor to be able to work closely with um, and to learn from, because you're, you're one of the most seemingly fearless. And I know that's not true, but it's a lot true. It's, it's a lot true. You are one of the most, not only seemingly fearless, but just brave and courageous leaders and people I've known. And, um, gosh, I'm okay. Let's get into it. We have a bunch of questions okay. we're going to get into and some that I, I, that I uh, may throw in here as we go. So I'm ready. I am ready. Thank you, Heather. All right. Let's start with the, the, um, baseline. What is confidence? And what does confidence feel like for you? Okay. So I was thinking about this, all right? So what is confidence? I think it's belief in yourself and others. I don't think it's about success. I think it's about knowing or trusting that you are able to do or willing to face challenges and opportunities. And that if things don't go as planned... If you fail, you'll have the resilience to adjust course and to find a new path forward. And actually, Heather, I love that you asked me, what does it feel like? It feels like freedom. It can be calm. It can be scary. It can be exhilarating. And it can be all of those emotions at once. And that, to me, it feels like freedom. Okay. You packed so much into that. I'm not surprised. That's 
So tell me about it can feel calm, scary and exhilarating. The the scary part for a lot of people, self-included here, that scary part can feel like the most predominant emotion. How how do you manage a healthy mix so that the calm and the exhilarating feeling are the leading emotions? So there's sometimes I'm actually worried if it doesn't feel a little bit scary, right? And because that, it's almost like that's, a warning sign. It's like this flashing light for you to do a little self-evaluation to say, should I be doing this thing I'm about to do? And um, so I actually appreciate the that knot in your stomach that happens before you do something you're a little unsure of, because I think it gives you a chance to just gut check. Should I be doing this? Is this the right thing to do? And um, I kind of go from there. And so one of the, the things I've been doing for the past couple of years is when I'm in that situation, like right before the go time, so to speak, I'll do a 10 minute meditation. And I use that even like as a meter as am I ready for this? And normally it helps, especially if I'm doing something that even if it's not comfortable, it's aligned with my values that I start to feel more calm about what I'm going to do. Um, and I, it's exhilarating, right? Because confidence or normally shows up when you're showing up. And so when you show up and you're doing something new, you're trying something new and it works, or frankly, it spectacularly fails, but you tried it anyway. I don't know. I find that exhilarating. I'm inspired. I think that like show it over. Like that's all I needed. That's all I needed. It's so good to talk with you. Confidence shows up when you show up. That is just, that's, that's good. That's really good. Okay. So talk to us about what role confidence has played for you in your career and in your leadership journey. And most recently in your path to becoming a CEO. Okay. So, um, don't panic when I start to tell you the story, all right? Because it's going to sound like it's going to take be a very long and windy story, and it's not. But most people know, and you know this about me, pretty quickly, like personally or professionally, that I have four brothers. And we are five kids in five years, and we have always been loud, close, and opinionated. And probably my brother, Pete, who passed away two years ago, he and I probably tag team for who's the loudest, who's the most opinionated, right? Um, and I would trust them with my life. And I know that come what may, they will trust me and they will love me. And that for me is a gift. When you know since you were three years old that no matter what, people love you unconditionally, then there's greater risk in not trying than there is in trying and failing. And I just, it's been a gift. It's been a gift. And so I think one of the ways that first manifested itself was at five years old when I declared my first career ambition. I told the world and 1971 um, that I would be a major league baseball player. And while it's almost five decades since I stated that bold ambition and it never happened, just to be clear in case you were wondering, although I did intern for the Los Angeles Dodgers when I was in college, I think it set me on this trajectory um, and really confidence has helped me in my career journey by allowing me to raise my hand and venture into areas outside the specific boundaries of my job. It's helped me to explore, to embrace my curiosity, to take risks. Um, and let's face it, the, I guess I am going to get quickly here to the, my current role, paths to leadership are usually windy. You know, I've had a career focused on education for the past several years and individuals and businesses always want to say, give me a career path, create career paths, linear career paths for me. And 
I think for most of us, that just doesn't exist. There are no predefined career paths. Um, it's just not that easy. I once saw something that said, there's no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. <laughs> I liked that because frankly, no predefined career path would have a rhetoric major with a physical education minor from UC Davis who started her career as a sports reporter end up leading the world's largest cybersecurity professional association. I don't think I, I think it has to do with the confidence I had in myself and others had in me to learn, take chances and work hard. That's why I think I'm in the job I'm in today. Okay. Again, so much wow on that. Um, I asked you a question about the role confidence has played in your career and leadership journey. And uh, it, your story starts at age five. So <laughs> I love that. Could we explore here for a little bit this um, you, know, all, you, you said so much, right? There's, there's a lot of things we could pick into and, and dig deeper. But the one thing I'm most curious about is this concept that paths are not linear, that, um, you know, the, the uncharted territory and being willing to explore and being willing to be, you know, follow your curiosities, even if they may not necessarily make sense, it may not be a logical uh, next step. What advice would you have for others who have a curiosity, but it feels too, too different, too wildly different from what they're doing now, um, to, to, to even really seriously explore it as potential. And, and when they do start exploring it, all the like, oh, but that doesn't make sense. Oh, but I would have to learn this. Oh, all the like, yeah, buts and the what ifs like come flooding in. What advice would you have for anyone in that situation? That is a great question. And, you know, for some people, I think the answer would be listen to podcasts, read books, for me and, and how I lived that. And so I think the recommendation I have for others is it, it was all really about talking to people and observing people and on the job learning. Like I really think so much of what I learned and ventured into in my career was because I watched what other people were doing. I asked questions about what they were doing. I tried to learn about um, the good, the bad, and the ugly of their jobs. And I tried to think a little bit, I probably couldn't have named it this at the time when I first started doing it, how might I add value to what they were doing? So I actually liked always, um, well, you know, we talk about diversity, right? We talk about the benefit and the value of diversity. And I think when you bring different viewpoints and perspectives together, it helps with problem solving, right? And so I always like to kind of engage in problem solving that may not be in my own, my own lane. And it was sort of a way that I learned about it. So you could, I mean, you could almost learn about it through conversation. And I think the more you explore, the less scary it becomes. And if you're really lucky, you work somewhere where you can raise your hand and volunteer and say, hey, can I help with that project? Can I sit in on that meeting? Can I learn more about what you're doing here? And then that just, for me, in my career, that has just always snowballed. So following a curiosity, one, one question, one conversation at a time, and that, and that starts to make it less scary to, to explore. Great advice. So talk to us about when your confidence has been put to the test. Okay. So I'm going to go back a little bit because I truly think this could have been one of my biggest crises in confidence in my whole life, which actually was right when I was graduating from college. Um, so, you know, I was, I was getting ready to graduate from college. I was going to be stepping out into the professional world. And I was seriously constantly wondering if I was good enough. Um, in my first job, I was I got a job as a sports reporter for a small daily newspaper in Sacramento, and I had never written a newspaper article in my life. 
never. Like I didn't take journalism class. I wasn't on the high school newspaper. I wasn't on the middle school newspaper. It was something I'd never, ever done. And in fact, I had flunked freshman English exam going into college, which required me to take a whole semester long course for no credit because basically the standardized testing system said, you suck as a writer. You don't know how to write. So here I have this idea in the back of my head. I don't know how to write. And I've just landed myself a job as a sports reporter. And I'm like, oh, my God, do I know what I'm doing? Where what what am I going to do with this? And it was it was fascinating. It was just it was it, it was like I was having both this total crisis of confidence in my abilities. And at the same time, I had these incredible, talented editors that I was working with, who they'd take my piece of paper and it would be covered with red ink and I was soaking it all up as a sponge. So that actually didn't make me less confident. It helped me build my confidence because here was something I was unsure about. But there were people out there, these people who have more experience, more expertise than I, who were willing to teach me how to be better at what I was doing. And so I just kind of absorbed it and went from there. So so you're hitting on something that's really, really important. And I think especially... Um, for, for anyone really, but as, as you know, I'm, I'm, my passion right now is, is helping women in particular with confidence. And, um, that comes from you know, having worked with many women and also my own personal experiences of needing to examine how I was holding myself back with some of the ways I was thinking about things like getting feedback, getting critique. Um, I'm, I may have shared this story with you in the past about when I was in business school and I had to get up every, every night in class and give a presentation. We had to give a pitch. It was, you know, the entrepreneurial track was, that was my focus. And so we were over the course of nine months building up a business idea from, Mm -hmm. you know, scratch from start to finish. And every week was, presenting the latest iteration of the pitch and Ted Baker, Ted Baker, if you are out there, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I was terrified of you. And also I, in retrospect, so appreciate uh, what I learned because you know, he was, you know, from Boston, he had this really thick Boston accent. He would watch our five minute pitch and give us an individual critique on stage in front of everyone. And it was brutal. It was brutally honest. And I would go back to my seat and I would sit to the next to the guy. I was one of maybe five women in the whole MBA class. And I would sit next to the guy, um, my classmate, and he would be taking his notes and feeling like he was emitting an energy of like, he got some great value. Like he's on this different level than I am. And I'm like, I need to go hide in a closet for a day and like recover from what just happened. And so I talked to him about this one night. I said, Hey, how are you processing this feedback? Because you seem better for it. And I, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I'm there. So he, 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 he shared a story about his uncle and his dad and how they would give him feedback and that's how he learned how to fish and it's how he learned how to do all these things. And it, he, he views feedback as something that's going to help him be a better version of himself. And that is not at all how I was seeing it. It was crushing my confidence. It was, it hurt. And knowing that there was a different way I could look at it that would change what value I was getting out of it, how much I could take and integrate it and be better. Like that was really game changing for me. So your story about the editors helping you and your view, your mindset around how to take that feedback and soaking it up like a sponge. That's such an important point and something I hope people will hear in the story you shared. And, and the the opposite version of that story that I just shared, (laughs) the choice is yours really. So you know what, and I'm thinking about that, I'm trying to think of how you get people to that place, right? That they understand that feedback can be a gift. But, and so you know what I did? I watched in preparation for this, Brene Brown had to prepare me for Heather Powell, just so you know. <laughs> um, 
and I thought about her talking about the arena speech. Can I read it? It's super short. It's not very long. Yes. So, and let's let's all know the gender. I did not make this gender neutral language. A sign of the times. It's by Theodore Roosevelt. So just just bear with me because I think it's really relevant. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes, comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Right? Like the first time I ever heard that, I have one more point, but the first time I ever heard that, I was like, oh my God, that's me. How'd he know me? I wasn't even alive then. I feel that. I am that person. It's like, it's all about the game, right? But Brene Brown, she takes that. And the thing she says is she says, when you're there in the arena, you can tell somebody, you know what? I see you. I hear you but I'm going to do this anyway. I'm not interested in your feedback. So you don't have to accept everybody's feedback at the same level. And I just think, I mean, isn't your experience more often than not, people are giving you feedback. It comes from a good place. Very rarely are people giving you feedback that comes from a bad place. I mean, it happens, but it's the exception, not the rule. Right. Right. So good stuff. Thank you for sharing that, Claire. I want to ask one quick follow up, follow up on your, your story. Um, you said at, at that time, you know, you had no experience when you first took this, this role, no experience as a writer and went into it thinking you had some shortcomings. You were constantly wondering if you were good enough. Have there been times since then where you've wondered, am I, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? How has, what's, what's been your mindset around this? If you've had other examples of this in your career since then? Well, I can think of two other examples. And my one's super quick. In about the early 2000s, I was asked by the CEO of my organization, who frankly scared me a little bit. I was a full-time telecommuter at the time. It was not a thing, right? Remote work was not a thing in 2002. And she didn't like the fact that I was a remote worker. And yet, she invited me to become the new VP of communications in her nonprofit. And I was just like blown away right and I said but but you know what I'm really good at these five things I don't know anything about public relations and media and other aspects of that corporate communications job and she like in a moment standing in her office she just said but Claire it doesn't matter what you need to know is you need to know your own strengths and weaknesses, and then you need to surround yourself with people that have skill sets that complement you. And that, for me, it was like a short moment of crisis and confidence, but her telling me that made a huge difference impact in my kind of future thinking about new opportunities in really like saying, what am I good at that's going to be relevant to being the CEO of a cybersecurity credentialing organization, right? Well, I'm not an expert in cybersecurity, but you know what? I know how to run a nonprofit. I know not, I know governance. I know how to generate revenue for an organization, et cetera, et cetera. I know the value of our members. I think just as I've gone on through my career, any time where I felt like I hit a brick wall, which I probably could have had the choice to say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for this organization. I'm not good enough for these folks. I think that resilience and strong sense of self and strong network I have behind me has made me say, mm, 
no, I'm, I am good enough. I may not be able to apply my great strengths the w- way I want to here, but you know what? I'm going to find a way to apply what I know and make it successful. One other thing I hear coming through and what you're sharing is that you have a healthy and honest view of your strengths. And, you know, one of the things I'm doing right now is a confidence camp for women who are looking to get past fears and imposter syndrome and and self-doubt and tackle a big new goal. And we have just finished um, the module around uh, imposter syndrome and its roots and the two roots of imposter syndrome, which imposter syndrome, you know, demystify the definition of that right here. It's simply a pattern of habitually doubting yourself and your Mm -hmm. capabilities. It's just a pattern of self-doubt. But the roots of it are one, this inability to internalize your own strengths and past successes. And so there, if you cannot honestly do that, then you don't know and you can't fully believe in the, the potential of those in the future because you're not even owning them now. And a lot of this, we were talking about this in camp the other night. Uh, one, one of the campers said uh, they had an assignment to, to re- write down. I said, aim for 50, write down successes big and small. And one of the campers was like, I'm only going to be able to come up with two or three. And by the end of the activity, she needed another extra page and another extra page. She had run out of space. And another woman said she had really struggled with um, being able to, to, to even get herself to write anything down because it felt like er- being arrogant. And she's been, you know, someone who really values humility and not, you know, you know, being braggadocio. And, um, and so there's, there's stuff in our minds to kind of get over. And for a lot of people, and I think especially the women I work with around just being honest about your gifts is not being arrogant. And mm-hmm. so that, yeah, that healthy, the healthy, honest look and about your gaps too. Like, and you just hit on both of those. So you can fill, fill your, your world with people who have the strengths that you don't. Okay, Claire, let's go to the next, the next little phase here. You okay. talked about some of the ways confidence has helped you and the things that it has really uh, fueled for your life. Why do you think a healthy level of confidence is important for women to, to prioritize being aware of and building? Because we're pushing a boulder uphill. We've been pushing a boulder uphill for a really long time. When I, in the early seventies, about the same time I declared myself a future major league baseball player, by the way, like some Florida baseball team just named a woman there. A, the general manager of the team. And that is the first time it's ever happened. I am so excited because I feel like she lived out my dream and proved it was possible because that's how I had evolved my dream. I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of her. Anyway, sorry. I All right. Know. I'm going to, when I, when I publish the <laughs> podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to put a timestamp where you just said that and we're going to send her a little shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was going to send her a note on LinkedIn because I was like, my God, this woman is seriously, she's three years younger than me. She started as an intern at a major league baseball team and she just kept at it and worked her way up. And I am like, I don't know who she is, but I am so proud of her. I think it's amazing. That is awesome. Side note, side note. This reminds me, I don't know if you've read uh, Liz Gilbert's book, Big Magic. But she talks about uh, ideas and and dreams that we have and how, you know, some of them recur and like revisit us so often that we we realize they're meant for us and we follow those. But we have a lot of them that, you know, I wanted to be a gymnast, Olympic gymnast. Really? (laughs) Right. And I had never taken gymnastics. I just, I loved the power of what they were able to do with their bodies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, someone else fulfilled that dream, not me. But in Big Magic, the book, (laughs) Liz Gilbert talks about how, you know, these ideas are just out there kind of in the ether and we might become aware of them. And some of them we hold for a little while and then we let them go. Someone else takes and, and, and fulfills on them. And that's okay. She actually, it's a really cool story. She talks about how she and uh, another author met at a book event and mm-hmm. they, they, they believe they kind of swapped book ideas because one ended up writing the 
the dream book that the other was right, was holding and had put on hold and, uh, and cool story anyway, but totally off topic. So back to you and confidence. <laughs> and why is it important for women to have confidence? Yeah. Okay. So I think it's important for all people to have confidence, yes. right? But I think for women, especially in, in, in our lives, I don't think it's just in our profession, I used to somebody, I used to say, you know this, I've told you this. I was gonna write a book called Disney Barbie and Me. And it was all about the stereotypes that I feel like I was subjected to since I was a young girl. Right. And I was always fighting those. And you know what made me fight those all the time is in the early 70s, there was people were championing the ERA, right? The Equal Rights Amendment. I remember that. And I remember both being perplexed of why it was necessary, but also saying, this is super cool that they're going to put in the Constitution that I should have the equal rights that are afforded to those four brothers of mine. And then when it was defeated, it crushed me. It crushed me to have the leadership of our country say that somehow I was lesser because of my gender. And so anyway, so this goes way back is, is what I'm saying. But I think that those biases against women, and they're not always conscious, sometimes they're unconscious, are just all over the place. And that if we are not able to champion ourselves and champion others, um, it's just, it's gonna be an uphill battle. I think we have to be purposeful. I mean, it's not just gender, right? It's gender, it's other kinds of diversity as well. You can't just, those things just don't fix themselves. You gotta be purposeful about those. And I think confidence, is an enabler to creating that to creating equity. It's thought provoking. Um, most people, I think, will be able to relate to the idea, especially now with the level of awareness and national conversation we have around systemic bias and the way that societal messages can be internalized. And um, I want to, you know, this this is. Um, reminding me of the, the article I was mentioning to you earlier before we, we got on the, the podcast about how, you know, from, there's a new article from an, a, I believe an economist who has written about how women don't need to have more confidence. Basically, you know, we don't need more confidence because the more, uh, first of all, that's, you know, trying to fix women. And I just want to you know, pause on that for a second, because this is not about fixing women, like talking about confidence and believing in yourself and believing in your potential and your ability to do whatever it is you want in this short life we all get. That is not about fixing anyone. That is about unlocking our full potential. Yeah. And in no way, you know, do I ever mean to suggest that, and I, I don't think you were at all, that, um, that, you know, we, it's up to us to build our confidence so that we can fix all these systems. Like, but that will certainly be part of the equation, right? Imagine more people, not just women, in fact, more, more so men who are in a lot of the positions of power now, having a true authentic confidence, which is tuned into their own inner compass about what is right, what is needed in this moment. And uh, that going back to your definition of confidence, not just belief in yourself, but in others, and in everyone's potential, I think more confidence is for all for all people, true authentic confidence is like you said, an enabler. It, it's, it's, um, there's something about it when you think about confidence is it almost is um, there's almost a piece of it that connects to your self-worth, right? Um, and I just think if we have more people that accepted themselves for the beautifully flawed human beings we were are, we'd all just be so much happier. And we'd all we'd 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 figure out we'd solve problems much more easily than being in spending our lives in this defensive mode. I think when people don't have confidence, it's just yeah, 
they overcompensate. And you know, that, that if actually Marissa Orr, who was on the last podcast talked a little bit about the differences in the ways women tend to overcompensate for lack of confidence or for low levels of confidence and the ways men do and how those are different. And men get typically, of course, we're don't mean to completely overgeneralize here, but in general, men can tend to overcompensate for low confidence by um, being even more assertive, more directive, right. more competitive. And it, there's still an underlying insecurity there. And yep. there, that's, that's the, the way of kind of making up for that. Whereas women like tend to pull back with, you know, not raise their hand and, and want to show up. And again, neither one of those are like the reason why we have the systemic issues we have, but th- that doesn't mean those aren't still things to, to be looking at. And, um, I'm working on. So Claire, are there times when having a healthy level of confidence especially in the, at the levels of leadership you have been at, have you seen times when, or experienced times when that actually your, your confidence has hindered you in any way? Um, yes, yes. Because I think in, I can think of two things, not particular instances, but two ways. I think, you know, when you feel something and I feel things and before I can articulate something. So when I know that I could do something successfully and I just know it, I just, I probably have at times in my career not been able to articulate the kind of the rationale behind it. And that made it um, longer, take longer to get started on the new venture. When I, I think about what you and I worked on together, when we rebuilt a business development function within an organization, I raised my hand. I'm like, oh, we got that. We can do that. But that wasn't like a good enough kind of business justification (laughs) for doing it. And so I think it took longer to get to our launching point because I wasn't able to articulate like the business reasons for doing something. So so that's one. I also think it's scary to people. People are scared a little bit of folks that have confidence. So you got to learn how to dial it up and dial it down. Because if your confidence has the end result, I'm not saying don't be who you are, because be who you are, but maybe be aware of your impact on others. Because I think sometimes if you're really confident and you are working with, especially in a um, supervisorial relationship with somebody who's less confident, that can cause some career limitations. So on that, um, and by the way, because you referenced our work together in the past, I just want to make a note here that for you, I probably have told you this 1 million times, but I, 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 I'm just going to say it again, your confidence that we would just figure things out as we went, we, we had a shared vision, right? But it, it, it wasn't built. It needed to be built and your, your confidence and your enthusiasm and your like total faith that we would just figure it out. That was contagious for me. And it, it, unlocked a new level of possibilities for me I hadn't even considered. And, and so for that, you, you drew me into the unknown, um, like quite literally, like as if you had sketched me there and under your wings, I, I flew to new heights. <laughs> That's so <laughs> cheesy, but. <laughs> but and you know, what's actually amazing, Heather, is I couldn't have done it by myself. I, it, I needed you to have that happen. Like I, that confidence that we, it was, it was truly confidence that we could figure it out and we would figure out a path forward. And then as that team grew and new capabilities came into the team, that it just kept kind of growing and getting better. Right. Um, yeah. So confidence, I, I don't know what the message there is. Confidence isn't, is something that, Help me, Heather. You're better at this than I am. What? (laughs) It's contagious. It's contagious. It's contagious. It is. And it's not just like, it's not just like a me thing. It's a we thing. It's, it's, um, 
I, yeah, it's contagious. It's better if it's shared. I love it. So, and, and you got to check yourselves to make sure you all don't go running off a cliff, right? But Right. Like some amount of self-doubt, actually, we cover this in Confidence Camp, is actually healthy. We do, oh, we do you not... Alive. Keep yeah, you alive. Exactly. <laughs> We're wired for fear for a reason. It's just we need to be mindful of, of when it's uh, serving us and, and when it's limiting our growth. Um, Claire, we're coming up on the end here. So I want to make sure I have, if there are questions I haven't covered that you, um, what, what have I not asked that you, that's important that you want to share? Okay. Um, so you, you haven't asked me my, my little tips and tricks for if somebody's not feeling confident, things that might help them, the little nudge that might help them get there. And so I have a couple tips and tricks that I use on myself all the time. The first is super easy. Just do it anyway. <laughs> it scares you. Do it anyway. There's a, a Eleanor Roosevelt quote that I always have around my workspace that says, do one thing every day that scares you. And I know that sounds that sounds like way too simple. But here's the thing. Probably most people know somebody in their lives who will talk straight to them and who would give them that little nudge forward. So when you're kind of on the edge about do I do this or don't I, make sure the person you call is that person that might just push you out of your comfort zone. So that's my my tip number one is is that one? Is that two? Is that one and one? I think it was. Head? I think it was one. It was one. One, right? Do it anyways, and know who your people are who are going to help you get there. Um, I also think a little self-talk helps as well. Okay, take us so, into your brain. What, what's your self-talk? So. When I'm scared about something, because let's be honest, you can be totally confident and you have, you're scared. You have, it's scary, right? It's not about not being scared. It's about being scared and doing it anyway. Um, I ask myself, and I learned this from um, an executive leadership coach, what do I believe to be true? How might I be wrong? And then I ask myself, what's perfect about this? And so if I, so it's like you the self-talk about what are all those reasons not to do, not to do something? What do I believe to be true? Questioning yourself on how you might be wrong. That's very powerful. And then like just pushing yourself a little further and say, if I did this, even if I failed, what would be perfect about that? I, it works for me. I, it works for me. It helps me as I talk through things. I am taking notes of those. I have. Uh, I, I'm going to. I'm going to try these out. And especially the last part. Even if I failed, what would be perfect about this? What if you failed though, and it was a like? What if you failed and um, you know lost your you lost your job as a result? Like, how do you see perfect in that? Well, you got to have a fallback plan, Heather. There's no, there's no one path in life, right? There's no one path. It's not like I have one job. That's going to be the only job for me. If I lose my job today, I, you know what I'm going to do right now during the pandemic? I am going to become an Instacart shopper. I am going to like, like, seriously, you just got to figure out what's next. Well, that didn't work out. I learned a lot. Okay, let me go find the next thing. And chances are I can find something else beyond that. But I mean, you just, there shouldn't, I can't, the, the I can't, there's no I can't. It's a little Yoda-ish, right? Yeah. Do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> All right. Really good stuff. Thank you. I think... I might, I might have heard some of these things from you, but there were some new little nuggets of wisdom in there. So I am, I, I'm just so much appreciating that I have, that we got to do this deep dive. I have one final question for you. And it is the final question that I ask everyone who comes on to the podcast, which is what do you know now about confidence that you didn't know, say, you know, 20, 30 years ago? 
And so the, the answer to this here would really, this would amount to your one essential truth about confidence that you'd leave the listeners with today. I got this on a yoga t-shirt that I bought with my former sister-in-law. I am enough. And so are you. That's That's, what I got. That is beautiful. Do you have this on a t-shirt? I do. I totally have it on the front. It says I am enough. And then people see it and they say, I love that. Like strangers. Right. And then I turn around and they see on the back. And so are you. Oh my God, it's beautiful. It's like the most artful, poetic piece of clothing I own. I love it. Okay, I would love to see this t-shirt and have a have a picture of you at this front and back that I can post out with the podcast if, okay. you, if, if you would uh, find a picture. You probably don't have a picture of yourself in this shirt. I probably so. don't, but okay. I, have, I know exactly where the shirt is. All right. I'm not trying to make extra work for you, but I love the shirt. I love the shirt. And I can, I can envision you in it and doing that, like that turnaround to show people the back. So it's, it's I'm not a, big on talking to strangers. It's like wearing that shirt gave me, I would talk to all sorts of people when I would wear that shirt. Well, that is a, that is beautiful. That is poetic. And I love that it ties back to your personal working definition of confidence, that it's not just about believing in yourself, but also believing in others. And none of um, that, that hasn't come up in the previous interviews I've done. And I, yeah, I really like, I really like that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've been uh, challenging my campers to come up with their own personal working definition of confidence and they're hearing theirs has informed how mine is evolving too, but mine is really rooted in a strong sense of self-trust and, um, and, and your, your definition today is helping me think about that even differently because it is about believing in others and believing in yourself in a way, because we're all part of this interconnected, really weird human species. Like (laughs) we're all each other, you know? So believing in yourself in a way is also by extension, believing in other people and in together, all of our potential to continue in the very nonlinear path of progress and evolution so Claire, thank you so much. This was awesome. 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 Oh my God. Thank you. I absolutely love that you are doing this. I love listening to the podcast. This is fantastic. It's very important work. So thank you. Thank you, Claire. I remain in awe of the way you put confidence in action as you boldly forge new paths. And I cannot wait to see all of the incredible things you'll do in your new CEO role and beyond. And for every woman out there listening, I hope this conversation got you thinking and considering what is confidence for you and how could embracing some of the ideas we discussed today help you in your life or career. I'd love to hear your response. And if you're curious to learn more, and dig deeper into managing your self-doubt and building stronger confidence, grab a 15-minute spot on my calendar and let's chat. I can help you. And I'd love to share more about my one-on-one coaching and my awesome small group coaching program, Next Level Confidence Camp. The very first group of campers are in their final weeks and the next camp cohort begins in January. So now is a great time to secure your spot. In the meantime, I'll be back next month with another episode of The Truth About Confidence. So make sure you click subscribe so you get automatically notified. Until next time, if you're feeling fear around anything, remember, do it anyway.